podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, 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 what's good? Welcome to this Nomics Podcast. I hope everybody's had a fantastic week. Our first week of fully-fledged freedom. How have you felt being in the streets? Speaking of last week's pod, no more lockdowns to freedom. I detailed what is different from the previous lockdown easings. So what rules do we still have to follow? Which is very little. And majority of the rules which have been relaxed. I also speak on some people's concerns regarding the rising cases and what's going on with vaccinations so i spoke on those matters this week's podcast is a slightly different turn in lieu of this year's well 2020s olympics but being held in this year tokyo olympics which we saw kicked off well officially the open ceremony was on friday i'm going to talk on the economics of the olympics and why it might not be all it's cracked up to be from the perspective of the cities hosting the Olympics, not from the perspective of the athletes, I'm sure it's great, but I'm talking from the perspective of the cities. So that's coming up next. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube, that's Dysonomics on YouTube. Obviously, Patreon's there, Dysonomics on Patreon, and of course, Instagram, Dysonomics Pod, that's where you get content from the podcast, and on social media, not social media, Twitter, underscore Nomics. So any questions, topics, suggestions, or whatever, hit up the socials and yeah, let people know that you're effing the Dysnomics podcast. But yeah, let's get straight into this week's topic. Hi guys, I'm XM and listen to the Dysnomics podcast because it's late. Hello, hello, hello. Obviously, you know Dysnomics here and this week we're discussing the economics of the Olympics. So the Olympic Games are effectively, well, we're referring specifically to the Summer Games. So there's two types of Olympics. Well, three types, in fact. You've got the Summer Olympics, which the main events are track and field. So you've got your long jump, your triple jump, your javelin, your decathlon, your 100 meters, your relays, etc. And then you've got other games around it. So you've got gymnastics, you've got basketball, boxing. Anthony Joshua had a gold medal from boxing. Floyd Mayweather got scammed out of one. He had a bronze medal. Um, there's football, usually for under 23 squads. There's all different types of sports. And there's the Winter Games, uh, which are snow-based. So you've got um, bobsleigh, snowboarding, skiing, all different types of sports. I think bowls, like the ice bowls, where they throw it up. So it's a mad thing. And then, of course, it's also the Paralympics. So for this week's pods, we're mainly concentrating on the Summer Olympics because that's those Olympics that have the bigger budgets and what people remember the most, funny enough. So what is Olympics? Olympics is a competition where many contestants from all over the world compete to win a Olympic medal. There's gold, silver and bronze. The, the, the summer games usually go on for about four weeks and it's been going on for a long time. The modern games, the first modern game was held in 1896. So a very long time ago. And in the early 20th century, the costs were pretty manageable. But in, since the second half of the 20th century, they have gone through the roof as the Olympics became more of a spectacle. A lot of economists have been arguing the short and long-term benefits of hosting these games. And they believe that 
the benefits short term and long term at best are exaggerated and at worst there is no real economical benefit from doing these long term or short term many countries are left with large debts and major liabilities because obviously a lot of people have developed these fancy new facilities and you can't just have a big big ass brand new swimming dome you still have to run it and maintain it and that costs money so if we look at Rio 2016, which is held in Brazil, the city still struggles with debts incurred and maintenance costs of abandoned facilities. And obviously they're under-equipped in terms of public services and there's a rise in crime in the city. So many people are arguing that, yo, there's a lot of crime in Rio. There's a lot of underfunded public services, but you spent the bag on these games and now we've got all these buildings that we can't use for shit. And it's cost us money every day. Candidate, over years, candidate cities have started to withdraw bids or they scale down the size of their bids. So, as I said, for much of the 20th century, Olympic Games have been a man manageable burden. But, oh, they've been a manageable burden. And a lot of these games were held in developed countries in Europe or the States who had largely enough infrastructure to pattern these games. But this was before TV broadcasting um, revenue started hitting. So now... Once you've got TV in and TV is a regular thing, the host cities now could benefit from TV broadcast revenues. Before there, before then, the games were literally publicly funded, but now there's some sort of private money that comes into it. And the turning point was the 70s. Now, if we look at the 1968 Mexico City Games, protesters were killed days before it. And then four years later, the Munich Games, I'm not sure if people remember this, there was Israeli athletes that were fatally killed. So this really damaged the um, the image of the Olympic Games. So people were kind of like, ah, don't even want to touch it too much. And then when you look at 1976 Olympics in Montreal, Canada, this symbolized the fiscal risk. So that, that means people, th this symbolized how much it costs government's budgets. So they projected it to cost $124 million. So the Montreal city of Montreal, for, yeah, the 19... 76 Olympics will cost us about 124 million dollars. It actually cost them way over that due to delays in terms of getting materials and things go wrong construction and just overrunning of getting things not done in time regarding stadiums. It cost them 1.5 or more than 1.5 billion dollars in debt. So they thought, yeah, it's going to cost the 124 million. Nah, times that by 10 <laughs> and add tax to it. This debt took the city of Montreal almost three decades to pay. So they only really just knocked it off recently. Now, if we move on to LA, in, 90, in 1979, LA, after seeing this, were the only city to bid for the 1984 Olympics. Usually you bid for Olympics and you need 10 years to prepare. Because they were, of course, the only... Um, flipping city to bid for Olympics, the IOC, so these are, this is the commission that runs Olympics, they were able to negotiate crazily favourable terms because you have no choice. We're the only people that are going to run the Olympics, so we're, the early, we're your only source of bread, so you have to take these terms. This was very key because LA has the infrastructure already. They have the hotels, they have the travel, and also they have so many stadiums. The Coliseum Stadium, you've got... Um, staple center so they've got they've got baseball there they've got american football there they've got basketball there so they're used to hosting 
large concerts, large events. They had they already had an infrastructure. So they didn't need to develop like Beijing, like Brazil, that were building stadiums from scratch. They didn't have to do that. So because of this, they were able to turn an operating profit of $215 million. And, big, and what was so key for LA is that obviously we've just seen minus happens at two Olympic Games. Then the next Olympic Games after those two, they got their debt by a billion and a half. We So that's a perfect storm. So that enabled us to come in, not have to have the same terms as other people. We don't have to pay as much because we already got infrastructure. And at the same time, TV revenues just sharply jumped. So it was a perfect storm for LA to eat a nice little change on top of that. People saw LA hit, hit the belly and they thought, fuck, let's get involved. So this laid a rise in people bidding for the games. So in 1988, two cities bid for, no, two cities bid for the 1988 Olympics. This jumped to 12 cities for 2004 Olympics, which was in Sydney, I believe. The IOC what now have the ability to pick and choose who's got the most ambition and most expensive plans because obviously you want the games to look litty and we want to get as much revenue and we get to eat the rev. Also, bidding in developing countries tripled from 1988. So we saw Brazil, China, Russia, which they're known as the BRICS nations. So Brazil, Russia, India, and China. These are developing nations that are going to come up that have their economies are growing quite a lot. They, they wanted this to be an opportunity to show on a world stage that, yeah, we're arriving, we're progressing. So, of course, Brazil held the Olympics of 2016 in Rio. China held it in Beijing 2008. And then Russia held the Winter Olympics in Sochi in 2014. So, if we look at the cost, Beijing Olympics cost the Chinese $45 billion in 2008. And then Russia in Sochi had to pay $50 billion for the Winter Olympics in 2014 and Rio Summer Olympics cost them $20 billion in 2016. Now, if we look at the broadcasting revenue for the Olympics, and I have it here somewhere, bear with me, this is very unprofessional, guys. Uh, come on. Okay, I have it right here. Sorry, I deleted the tab. If you look at the 1960 in um, Square Valley in Rome, now the winter was in Square Valley and the summer was in um, Rome, $100 million, no, $100,000 for the winter games, and $1.2 million for the summer games. That was a broadcasting revenue. Then the next big jump, as I said, was in the 80s. So by the time it hit LA, they gave $287 million in revenue, whereas the previous Summer Olympics gained $88 million, so big jump. Now, you go all the way to 2012, the Summer Olympics going $2.6 billion in revenue, and the Vancouver Winter Olympics gained $1.28 billion in revenue. So we see the rise in broadcast revenue going up and up and up, which made a significant difference to cities' willingness to bid for the Games. However, a number of cities have withdrawn their bids for the 2022, the 2024 and the 2028 Olympics over cost concerns. So Oslo and, and Stockholm both backed out for their 2022 bids upon realising the cost would be higher than originally estimated. Boston withdrew from consideration for 2024 games with the mayor saying it's, it refused to mortgage the future of the city away because of course you're borrowing a lot of money. 
Um, the 2024 finalists, which were Budapest, Hamburg and Rome, also withdrew, leaving only LA and Paris. So in an unpresented room move due to lack of candidates, the IOC chose the 2024 and 2028 um, venues simultaneously three, four years ago. So yep, fuck it. Man out here don't wanna, do you know what I mean? Step up to the plate. So Paris, LA, boom, back to back, you host. And obviously both these cities have a lot of stadiums, a lot of infrastructure ready. So it's not gonna cost them as much as let's say if Lagos or Accra wanted to host the Summer Olympics. The cost ain't just an infrastructure. Cities have to invest millions in evaluation, preparing and submitting their bids to the IOC. This can cost anywhere from 50 to $100 million. So think about this. Think about how much that money could do for your city in terms of infrastructure, maybe for schools or for emergency services or maybe for leisure services or mental health like, or hospitals. But you might not even win and you spend that much money. Tokyo failed to get the 2016 Olympics. Their bid cost them $150 million down the drain. They did successfully win the 2020 Olympics, which are currently being held by in Tokyo, but that itself cost them less, less than half, so less than $75 million. But remember, because of COVID, there is no foreigners allowed, and in a lot of the stadiums, there's no attendees, so they're losing revenue there alone. So you've got almost a hundred and hundreds and million dollars in just submission a bit let alone all the money in infrastructure travel stadiums accommodation it's a really really big cost the ioc requires cities hosting the summer games to have a minimum forty thousand available hotel rooms Forty thousand. for rio they had to construct 15,000 new hotel rooms. Road, they had to construct new roads, train lines and airports needed to be upgraded or constructed. So they spent a bucket loads in upgrading the city. Now, if you look at, um, if you look at the estimated versus final Olympic costs, I want to run through them with you. So let's go from 2004. Athens, they falls on cost them 13, I mean, $3 billion. Nope, cost them 16. 2006, okay, no, let me skip the Winter Olympics. 2008, Beijing, they thought it cost us $20 billion. Nope, more than double, $45 billion. London, we thought it cost us $5 million. Nope, more than triple, $18 million, almost four times. Then again, London, it didn't cost London as much as Beijing because London had infrastructure. London had a ton of stadiums, loads of hotel rooms, great transport links. Of course, they revamped the Leighton, Hackney, Stratford area. So that's why you see loads of new builds in these areas. So you develop the London Stadium where West Ham currently play out from. You've got the Velodrome. That's where you did the cycling. You've got the swimming pool place. You've got all those facilities. And then if you look at Rio, they thought it cost them $14 billion. It cost them 20. So the Rio's budget differential was nowhere near as bad as others. China had the very, very worst. Now, we spoke about costs. To round up, let's see what it actually brings in these countries. Well, Beijing's 2008 Summer Olympics generated $3.6 billion in revenue. But as I just said, it cost them $45 billion to run it. So they are $42 billion in the red. <laughs> London's games generated $5.2 billion in revenue. But as I said, it cost them $18 billion. $18 billion. So they're also in, in the red. It's insane. 
What's interesting is that a lot of the revenue doesn't actually go to the hosts. IOC keeps more than half of all television revenues and that's typically the largest single chunk of where the money comes from. So if you look at the 2012 revenue, three point, so no, if you look at from 2009 to 2012, revenue, eight, there's $8 billion worth of revenue, yeah, for Olympics. $3.8 billion was TV. $1.8 is domestic sponsorships. 950 million is international. Ticket sales, 1.28. Licensing, $170 million. So the overall majority of the money is coming from TV, but IOC chopped over half of it. Now let's take it back to Tokyo. Remember I said one of the, the third biggest is um, ticket sales. Tokyo can't benefit from that as much as other Olympics. So yeah, I want you people to ask yourself this question. Is it worth your cities spending this money to flex at the Olympics? Is there, is there some like non-monetary value that is derived from this? Or are you like me and you think this is a big waste of money? Let me know your thoughts. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Peace and blessings. Bow. Sports Social Podcast Network.